welcome to the show. Uh, we still don't have a name for the show, but what are names? What are days? What even is the world anymore? Um, the big news today is that the payroll protection program has been reloaded, which um, is Susan Collins' great clusterfuck that she keeps trying to take credit for. Uh, so there's, that's pretty good. Um, today we're going to talk to, on the program in a minute, we're going to talk to Melanie Addington. Melanie is the executive director of the Oxford Film Festival. And we're going to talk about film festivals. We're going to talk about the, the future of film festivals and see where they're going. And the toddler's coming in. So we'll see how that goes. So we're talking to Melanie Addington. Melanie is the executive director of the Oxford Film Festival, which is uh, widely considered to be one of the, the top tier of the independent film festivals that aren't Sundance. Aww. Because like there's Sundance and then there's everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Oxford Film Festival is one of the more innovative ones and one of the better regarded ones. And they always do something weird with Eric Snyder. Um, I know. We do have a weird thing for him. <laughs> I mean, I can, we kind of all do. So nice. there's that. So, but thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, so this is the kind of the first question I ask everybody is how the hell are you doing? How are you holding <laughs> up? Uh, you know, I work from home a lot, so it's kind of just sort of the same. I live on a dead end road in the country. So literally if I don't, you know, open the news. I have no idea what's going on. It's just a small world. I do have cats that will make appearances. I'm just warning you nice. now. I already hear them. Awesome. I mean, close. <laughs> so it's so the way I described it to someone um, at the grocery store, who knows how long ago anymore. I was like, this is kind of what we normally do, except for the bar next to work is closed, and right. and like we can't drop the kids off at grandma's house anymore and just get rid of them for the for like six hours. Yeah. That's kind of the big difference. Yeah. My, my son's 22, so it's really no changes in our life other than now he takes classes online. So, right. About it. Cool. Okay. So, you guys were in a really weird situation where the Oxford Film Festival was in Mar right, March, right? Like March 18th. Yeah. We were like supposed that? to be March 18th through 22nd. <laughs> so, that was just changing by the minute. For you. Literally every day we were making new, like how we will handle it until March 13th. Um, that morning, our governor finally said, okay, no gatherings of more than 250 people. So we knew we were no longer eligible to continue. Mm -hmm. At that point, that week, we were still thinking, if we are really careful and clean really hard, maybe we'll slide by before the whole pandemic shuts us down. And um, then we learned very quickly that was not going to be a reality. <laughs> Was it a thing where you guys were waiting for the governor to make the call or were you sort of already going like, uh, I don't know. If yeah, we were sort of looking, we had already met that week with the board. We'd been talking with the staff, trying to figure out what to do anyway. Um, but it definitely helped give a very, in a red state, a very valid reason why we were doing that. So it wasn't just us on our own being those people that you know are canceling for no reason <laughs> yeah so yeah because you guys are kind of in a blue sort of bubble inside. we're in a blue bubble in a very 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 red state yeah. right so that that makes a tricky thing so you guys so you had a very real possibility where you would not have gotten shut the state wouldn't have shut you down um but you would have had to make the decision to do it yourselves if that could very easily have happened 
Yeah, I mean, I think it could have gone either way. If he'd said a thousand people, technically every theater except for one has less than a thousand seats. Mm -hmm. So there could have been a real argument for us to move forward. I did not feel comfortable with that. My board did not feel comfortable with that. I think maybe the majority of our paths and ticket holders and sponsors were very relieved that we didn't try and push through. Mm -hmm. I felt like everyone said, okay, good. You're being very responsible and you're cho choosing not to go forward. So are you, I mean, it sucks to lose the festival, but are you a little happy that, so I was, I'm big with high school basketball because my brother's a high school basketball coach and it's a huge thing here. So the tournament for us like ended just kind of like probably a week before any of the cases started to show up. And so I kind of was, I was talking to someone, I was like, you know, we were really lucky that the tournament wasn't like two weeks later when no one, when everyone assumed it wasn't going to be a big deal and no one had any symptoms. Right. Are you kind of happy that like silver lining of this is, you know, you guys could have. Yeah. I mean, the silver linings definitely, we weren't the cause before everyone knew about asymptomatic people. Right. Um, but definitely part of me is like, oh, but if we just, you know, stayed at February Fest, like we would have been done and gone before any of this happened. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely going through a, a still a month later, a wide range of emotions on it. So you would have, yeah, you would have not been the hot spot in that situation. Right. Um, but you don't want to be the cause of it where people are like, you know, what was the real problem for Mississippi, that yeah. Oxford Film Festival. Right. I know. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so you guys are moving, from what I've read, you're moving to the fall or you're not moving to the fall or you don't know yet? We are, we have some tentative dates in the fall for maybe some events, mm -hmm. um, but we're moving virtual. We launched Friday and we, we looked at a lot of different ideas and what others were doing and we thought, you know, more than us needing to survive, our filmmakers have lost the majority of their ability to survive. There's no production happening. Right. Our post-production filmmakers, yeah, there's probably some work still, but most people are basically stuck. And a lot of them are 1099 workers and there's still a lot of like crazy loopholes to figure out if they can even get support. So we decided to launch virtually and split all the ticket sales with our filmmakers. So we're basically doing three or four of our blocks every week through the rest of the summer just to sort of not drown all the films at one time, but like actually give people some time to, to engage. And so we'll see, we're, we're, we're not is sure that, what's going to happen. <laughs> is that a thing you guys have geofenced virtually? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So we, um, Aventive developed a system, uh, which was really great and we loved it and it was very secure. Um, but they also allow our filmmakers to geo block how they want. So some are doing Mississippi only, some are doing US, some are doing everywhere but one country. Like they just, every filmmaker got to choose for themselves what they wanted. Um, and then we tried to pair up as best we could. Not all of our original blocks stayed together. We sort of had to remix some things. So it's mm -hmm. been an interesting sort of rebuilding a festival within a festival. So they can do, in doing that then, they can preserve mm -hmm. whatever or, or think that yeah we're, we're not calling it like an online th this is a festival screening we're just having to sort of be creative on how we make this festival screening happen we're still eventizing it um, mm -hmm. we're doing timed live q a's with filmmakers um, we're still creating some virtual panels we're gonna throw a virtual party which i haven't fully figured out but i have till june to figure out <laughs> so we'll see how that works um and sure. we're gonna 
move forward with, we already did all our juried selection. So we're going to move forward okay. with our awards in June and give filmmakers cash and in-kind prizes. So, I mean, filmmakers really like cash. I know. I, I've been a filmmaker on the circuit before and getting cash is really exciting. Although my favorite award ever was a Whole Foods $500 gift certificate, Ooh. which I blew mostly on beer, but it was sure. amazing. Sure. <laughs> um, so you, okay, so one thing I was thinking of is there's this idea that, you know, you, we want to go virtual now or we have to go virtual now, but we don't want to lose any theatrical revenue or whatever deal is. So part of me wonders, are we worried about protecting something that's already gone? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that the model will shift greatly, sure. but I don't think the model's gone forever. Um, you know, this isn't the first pandemic the world has survived and literally mm -hmm. not the first pandemic since theaters have been around. <laughs> so um, I think that there's going to be, horrible, horrible losses. And I hate that, but I think that there will still be something that emerges out of this that I hope will be better. Um, I think what's important about film festivals still hosting these geo-blocked events is that we're still focused on our community. It's not just me saying, hey, here's some films on YouTube. It's me saying, okay, Mississippi, come together. Let's chat online. Let's talk to each other let's have these events still because we can't be in the same room and try and give a sense of community until we can actually be in the same room together. I mean, I love going to a Tuesday 4 p.m. movie at a theater and I'm like one of four people in there and eating popcorn. Like that's not going to change for me as soon as I can again. <laughs> so you guys have been doing virtual, you've been doing Zoom things. I've seen a couple of them floating around like how is that like how are you finding people are responding to that or how well um, are you reaching the community do you think yeah i i feel oh one thing we've been doing is making sure that all of our stuff gets transcribed or has live transcription mm -hmm. so that those who need that are not left behind i've noticed a lot of people and quickly regrouping aren't considering that part of our community. Um, so that's been important to us. And that's part of why we went a little slower. Um, but I think I had one audience member who just, she lives out in the country and doesn't have good internet. And I, I there's only so much I can do when there's not good internet. Right. Um, that's definitely leaving some people behind and it sucks. Um, all of the libraries in Mississippi got together and created Wi-Fi hotspots in their parking lots. So people who do need access to internet have them throughout our state. So there are resources available. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be somebody I'm not thinking of that we're leaving behind and I'm, I'm hoping people reach out and let us know what we're not doing right. The, the Wi-Fi thing reminds me of when I did to get without rent. That would be a lot of times um, how I would get online to like upload something would be to sit outside of McDonald's <laughs> because you could always, you could always get their Wi-Fi and they're yeah. easy to find and you're like, okay, I can figure this out and then do yeah. the thing. I mean, unfortunately our, our festival got famous 10 years ago because of an internet situation. So um, <laughs> we're always very cognizant of that issue. <laughs> so what are you doing to try other than, what are you trying to do to keep from leaving people behind? So my hometown has been calling people, like literally these people who don't have internet because it's it's an older town. Yeah. Um, like, is that sort of thing effective? Do you guys like your email roster or your email lists? 
Yeah, we um, we're, we're, we moved our monthly email up to weekly, um, trying to not just like keep events happening for people who need to stay engaged, but also to highlight our restaurants sponsors and be like, hey, you can still do curbside with them. Here's a special and, you know, try and give some love to our whole community, uh, trying to create a, a virtual version of Oxford of cool mm -hmm. stuff we like. We did a we highlighted End of All Music, which is a great record store um, last week. Cause it was supposed to be, um, I think what national record day or something. So, yeah, I think so. um, yeah, we're always trying to do something. We reached out to what's called RSVP, which is our retiree volunteer group and just asked if they need us to help make calls. If there's anything we can do, but they are, of course, they've already been on it from day one, reaching out to everyone. So, um, we definitely have, we're a retiree. Hello. Uh, in our community. Oh, oh. oh. oh you froze right there. Oh no, uh, I probably said something really profound. It was very <laughs> profound, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was. You guys, you mentioned on uh, Twitter that you were trying to find somewhere that did live transcription. Did you ever figure that out? Still out? working on that, so if anyone watching this has a great uh, suggestion, I'm, I'm working on. I might have seen one yes. like an hour ago. Um, oh my gosh. Wistia said something about, and I bookmarked it, Okay. I'll send, I'll send it to you. They had a whole thing okay. about setting up a home thing and there was something about live and transcribing or maybe I heard, yeah. heard it wrong. I'll send it. But anyway, they're, they seem like a very cool company. Very cool. Yeah. For our podcast, we're just transcribing them. So the transcript goes up at the same time as the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but for the live Q&As, I have not fully figured yeah. out. <laughs> for this, because it'll go on YouTube first. I think YouTube does it. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things that like, I never thought of it before, you know, because you just don't think of things that don't directly impact you. It's like a Republican <laughs> um, until we got a toddler who screams bloody murder all the time. And my wife started putting the closed captioning on so she could tell what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. I have two parents who will kill me for saying this, but they both can't hear anything. So mm -hmm. I learned, I, I was raised in a house where the uh, captioning was always on. And I just, I, it's hard for me to watch a movie without it now. I'm so used to it. Yeah. It's weird to, it's weird to start doing that. I find, cause I think first, I think I'm watching a foreign film and then I get thrown that the, I can, hear the words after they're up on the screen and it's sort of like what's yeah. going on here but yeah. i'm realizing now that what i should have when i was in high school i should have done this because i would try to watch like saturday night live and my parents had the hearing of bats and they would hear everything and i'm like the damn tv is on four like what do you want from me <laughs> like i can't hear it i don't know how you can hear it upstairs with your door shut yeah oh no that's the opposite of my life but i get that <laughs> yeah. this, is, this um, is why i had no dating life in high school either because you can't <laughs> sneak any but you can't sneak anything past that no. like i mean that and multiple other reasons why i had no dating life um all right so let's let's talk about film festivals yeah where i've long been kind of a, a critic of film festivals i like what you guys do but i think there's a lot of them that are just soaking independent filmmakers, especially the people who are making like a thousand dollar short film and then they're spending a thousand dollars in fees. Yeah. Which I think Film Freeway has done a lot to alleviate that. It seems like from, I mean, I haven't had to submit a film to a film festival in a long time, so I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it sounds like everybody's a lot happier with them. They're, they're they pretty great. Um, but there's still like the award mills out there um, mm -hmm. and filmmakers. I think 
some of them don't know the difference and some of them do and are capitalizing on the by a laurel win mm -hmm. which i hate um but yeah i i was in the without a box camp that the year that there was a huge power outage in new york and i'm terrible at times i don't know it could have been 80 years ago or five i don't remember when it was might have been last but, week uh, yeah probably last week um but they uh they lost all of our submissions and we never got them back so we, there's a whole generation of filmmakers who hates us because we never replied to them and we don't know who they are um right. and so as soon as film freeway came along we were yes we're on board um and they've been fantastic um but i think that there's still and this is something uh the film fest alliance we all talk about a lot both when we get together before sundance and also online basically every day just how many not great festivals there still are mm -hmm. and how to help filmmakers navigate that so it's it's a tricky balance you don't want to be like this specific one sucks <laughs> but also like you want to give them tips i actually teach a class to students at uh, ole miss on film fest programming so they program our student category mm -hmm. and then i help them navigate festivals and how to deal with them so it helps, but I feel like every filmmaker sort of needs somebody hand-holding them through the process. Yeah, and I mean, as part of it is they would all, they always say like, oh, we'll research the festival and see what they like to program. And you're like, I don't fucking have time to do that. I don't. Or how would you know? Like, I yeah. mean, it's really hard. Like, oh, look through our archives. Oh, you want to spend three days looking through our 18 years of films? <laughs> like, that's no. really a lot. Um, I, I like that Film Freeway does some curation, uh, like the Movie Maker Top 50 list. Uh, right mm -hmm. now, everyone who took the Seed and Spark pledge to sort of help filmmakers through the mm -hmm. pandemic, that's a separate curated list. Um, and there's 170 film fests on that. So um the ones that are ask uh academy qualifying is a separate list which is obviously a great That's, list to follow um yeah. so yeah i and it's so tricky because every film is really such its own beast that you can't be like this is the model to follow because that may not work at all for your right. schlocky horror film versus your animated feature you know yeah like my most successful festival experience was one that when uh, Sean Hackett was running the festival and that's how I met him and he's like you should submit your films to this festival and I laughed at him I was like it's 22 minute long fest film and it's an online film festival that's not gonna work like yeah. and it did really well so I who, who the hell knows like right. um I definitely yeah. was a filmmaker whenever my film is like three minutes obviously that is a lot better than yeah. my 25 minute epic tale <laughs> so are filmmakers better at handling not getting in to a film festival? Like, I know nobody likes it. It sucks. Yeah. I find one thing we, when I took over as executive director, not that we were doing a bad job before, we were handling it fine, but I really write a very personal um, note that I try to really give great feedback. And then we say, if you want actual, the feedback notes from the reviews, we'll give them to you. Um, which I get mixed looks from other film festivals when I say that, cause some are like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, and others are like, I don't know how you have time. And I don't, I just well, make yeah. time. Um, but you know, we, we give feedback to probably a thousand filmmakers that ask for it every year. And I've found 99.5% are lovely and appreciate that you're willing to engage. There's always the one who we don't understand their genius. <laughs> 
Right. It's, I mean, nobody understands their genius is no. the problem. It's they're ahead That's of their time is the thing. Right. And in 20 years, you'll be like, oh, yeah, should have should have programmed that short film. You know, it's really frustrating. And this is my big hope for virtual hybrid fests moving forward is that we have so many venues, so many days and so much time in a physical fest. And there's a lot of, oh my gosh, if I just had more money and more time to be able to also host these films. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping there can be sort of a, a different life for some films that maybe we can all find a little more room, especially for short filmmakers, to kind of give them an outlet that actually lets them make money in the future. How often do people like knock it into a film festival because it's um like you made a movie about this like you made a documentary about charlie brown but i have two documentaries about charlie brown and yours is either slightly not as good or it's just three minutes longer than the other one every year there's always a great example of that i mean it's been 10 years but hurricane katrina you know we're a southern festival i probably saw for about four years 20 to 40 submissions that were almost the same film. Um, mm. And of course we want to highlight that, but we can't just keep, we can't have the Katrina <laughs> film fest that year. Like we can only tell so many of those stories and that's, you know, we're not a specified festival. We're very general. We want to share all kinds of voices. And so that does limit how much room you have for all those voices, which is tricky. How many COVID-19 films are you going to get next year? <laughs> That was one of my first tweets when the pandemic happened. It was like, oh no, please. Remember the programmers were living through this too. Um, I've already gotten one so far. Sure. And it's, you know, a month in. So by next year, oh my gosh. I'm going to go with, there will be at least 750 of those films out on the circuit. <laughs> Would you, do you just not program any of them in this situation? Just say, no, fuck it, fuck it, no, none of them. <laughs> no, not doing any of them. Just tell everybody how to save your money. Don't send them to, send them to us. <laughs> we refuse all COVID now. Um, I don't know. There may be that one that comes up with something that I am not clever enough to think of. So mm -hmm. I'm, willing, I'm willing to try. <laughs> what do you do if, this, if the filmmaker wants their feedback and the feedback is bad? Like the programmers or the reviewer or whatever is like, this is the worst goddamn thing I've ever had to sit through. Fuck you, Melanie, for making me listen, watch this movie. Yeah. So part of our training process with our screeners is to not write that teaching them how to give constructive feedback rather than I hate this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and we do. I, I used to be a, a tutor in college. So you learned how to sort of, shield the constructive criticism with a positive first so we really try and help them hone their writing skills <laughs> before the filmmakers see it and i will follow up with my screeners if it's not helpful review um before i'll send it out so okay so you give them a chance to be like maybe we yeah right this Every one a little while bit. though if i'm busy like one will slip through the cracks and i'll send it and they're like what do you mean this isn't even about my film and you're like oh my gosh i'm uh, so sorry i but, want got rejected by the same film festival twice Ooh. for the I same film like, the same year or same same film same year they sent me the email and then like a week later i got the same form email and i was like i get it guys no i know you don't like yeah, it don't double down oh uh, film freeway had a glitch this year we um had one of our promotions with them where it sends out a, a call for entries to filmmakers and it glitched and like 
went out eight times in a row and people were like, I get it. Stop asking us. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's not us. <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the thing Seed and Spark did because you were pretty early on that, um, that Emily and Emily's team put out. And like, just tell people a little bit about what that is and why it's important and all that. Yeah, so um, obviously Emily and Seed and Spark team are always innovative and thinking ahead of the curve, um, not even just the pandemic curve, like the <laughs> general curve. Um, and they saw, um, you know, they serve as a crowdfunding outlet, but also as a source to stream films. And they sort of saw all sides of this coming at them. I'm sure Emily can tell her story better, but um, very early on, just engaging both on social media through emails, uh, film festival organizers have a Friday chat ever since the pandemic start, we've all been gathering and talking uh, and just everyone listening to each other. They reached out and said, Hey, I think, that we should all be working together and let's find a way to say, okay, screw the arbitrary rules we all follow just because that's the way it is and say, let's make filmmakers be able to succeed this year. And there's a long list of things that we agree to, which are on their website. But um, basically it's just like, okay, we're not worrying about when your film is made um, in terms of next year's entries because there's gonna be films that sat all year and not being able to play anywhere. Sure. Um, and then we made sure that, you know, eligibility rules, like such as like, oh, you didn't premiere here or you did premiere, here. like we're just throwing all that out. So I think it's important. How many of those rules do you think will not come back? Mm, I think for our festival, which is the only one I could speak to, a lot of them are very arbitrary anyway. Um, mm. And I don't, as a regional fest, it really doesn't matter. I think, you know, the big sales fests are always gonna have what they need to make sure that they're the prominent festival. But I really hope a lot of the regional fests kind of just throw that stuff out the window because my community in Oxford doesn't care what Tribeca did or what yeah. Berlin did. Like that doesn't matter to them, so. Yeah, they couldn't care less what was at Sundance, really. <laughs> when we bring a Sundance film, we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not a big thing for them so yeah I mean um all right so where so part of this is part of the point of this podcast is to try to figure out where this is all going to sort of settle because no one has any fucking clue really I mean mm -hmm. we think we might have a clue but we don't have a fucking clue mm -hmm. so like where do you think what parts of film festivals are just not they're not going to happen anymore? Or what is a film festival going to look like even next year? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think the hybrid model is going to be something I hope moves forward in the future. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I got to experience Ann Arbor Film Fest this year virtually for the first time. I never got to, there's only so much time in your normal physical schedule to travel. Um, so it's been really nice connecting with festivals that I haven't gotten to before. And I think that's the same for audiences. I had a really good chat with some filmmakers in New York. We were all tuned in to Ann Arbor at the same time together. And I think mm -hmm. that's really something special and neat. Um, I don't know what parts of the physical world won't come back. I, I mean, social distancing is here for at least probably the next two years, probably longer. Yeah. Um, I think that our global psyche has changed on how we interact physically with other people so i don't know what the long-term fallout effects are but i can't imagine i'm going to be comfortable at a midnight 
opening night Star Wars screening with 200 other people coughing yeah. and sneezing near me for a while. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um, I know that's a terrible, that's what everyone's just saying, but I think that's, we have to be ready for the worst case scenario and prepare and be able to pivot, but hope that we can come back to some of the things we love and cherish. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, Shakespeare used to be the, thing the poor people did and now it's the high art form um so what is a movie right now and what who will be the audience for that in the future may change in person yeah because and that was already changing like the yeah. uh the whole idea of a movie versus a tv show versus a quibi or whatever was already in flux so right you just think yeah. this is sort of i think an opportunity for a lot of things to go a lot of things that didn't need to be there to go away yeah. I mean, I, I was a print journalist and I love print things. I love being in a physical theater. I love 35 millimeter film, but I also love storytelling and however, whatever form that ends up being, I, I don't think storytelling is going away. It's yeah. Just that was just a list of things that are going to be obsolete in five years. <laughs> you just came, you're like, I love books. I love all those things papers. that happened. <laughs> and quill pens. Remember hugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we've been storytelling as long as we've existed. So, right. You know, cave drawings are cool, but we're not doing that now. So, what's the next thing? So, I saw something interesting about cave drawings where they thought they were these like sacred runes or whatever. And then they got in closer and they found out it was just like, Herod was here or like think people were just writing about farts it was basically just graffiti on a basically emojis we're back to the same thing we haven't gotten yeah. that far <laughs> yeah and like they were they had this thing they thought was sacred and at the very top of this thing it was like 15 feet off the ground and they finally you know got up there and cleaned it so they could read it and whatever and it said uh this is very high <laughs> So I think, you know, what, what, what we think is important sometimes isn't as important. It's just. Right. Yeah. I think we look back at, and revere things sometimes a little too much and are a little afraid of change. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, my festival may die out in this, um, but my love for movies isn't, I mean, I'm still going to watch movies, whatever that outlet is. Um, so it's scary, but hopefully a lot of us are willing to sort of, try and embrace some concept of the future not just cling to well this is the way it used to be so that's it right this is like the all-time best example of you can't do that this is the way we've always done it which yeah. is kind of the thing i like about this is because that's always been my pet peeve is like they're like we've always done this way i'm like who fucking cares man that's a terrible fucking approach to anything yeah i mean it's weird to say i'm excited about the pandemic because that's not what i mean but also mm -hmm. like I've seen some major coming together, some innovations, some good ideas that are happening because of this. And um, I just want more of that spirit to survive than the screw everyone we're opening now to make money. People. Right. How worried are you guys that you're about sponsors going forward? Or maybe not going forward, but maybe just next year, because I mean, yeah. the economy is fucked. It's yeah. so fucked. I mean, like the real uh, economy. 
a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of film fests rely heavily on in-kind sponsorship from their local businesses. Um, mm -hmm. So we all need to think through what that means um, because I can't rely on every restaurant to donate a thousand dollars worth of food for a party when they may not even be here a year from now. Um, right. So how we as a community builder can help rebuild our community, I think needs to be the priority, not what can we get from other people. Um, and that's gonna be challenging. It's gonna be, we're very focused on hospitality for our festival and so sort of having to let go of some of the things we love for the next couple of years to make sure that we thrive and that our filmmakers thrive is gonna be sad. <laughs> yeah, and they just, I think they just announced they're pumping another, I think 350, into the PPP. So yeah, we applied and have still not heard a word. Other film fests, I've heard good things. So I'm hoping eventually we'll get some news. Um, but there's the NEA is doing a lot for uh, arts organizations. So I'm mm -hmm. hoping there's support out there. Um, hopefully. <laughs> Do you think you end up turning to crowdfunding to bridge a gap for this next yeah, year? Yeah, I. I actually did. My birthday was uh, a week and a half after what was going to be the film fest. And mm -hmm. I have a part-time year-round employee that his wife lost her teaching job. Um, he lost all his other income and they have three kids. So I put out a crowdfund birthday wish and just said, I want to make sure, because normally he stops working at the end of March, that I have him, you know, in a paycheck through the rest of the summer. And people gave tremendously so that's cool that was really generous but i haven't done it on a large scale and i mean there's only so many of us giving our 25 dollars back and forth to each other <laughs> right <laughs> I, I don't know i i'm definitely hoping really for larger grant organizational support to help the festivals so that the filmmakers can still crowdfund um where they need to for their actual films yeah for the actual films so that we have films to show in the future so yeah, I mean, I kind of wonder if, like, film festivals will have to be smaller for a couple years just mm -hmm. because of all the extra things of, like, travel and getting people in a room and all that. It's going to be a lot harder, I think, to convince someone to come down from Brooklyn to screen their film. Right. Um, and then, like you said, your infrastructure there is going to be presumably struggling. Hopefully not, but... Yeah, I mean, we're lucky we're in a college town with one of the main uh, regional hospitals, so the, a lot of people are still employed. Um, okay. We do have a lot of tourism industry, though, so the a lot of people we love and support, they're filmmakers slash waiters, and now they've lost both jobs. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who are going to have to help rebuild over the next couple of years rather than, hey, we threw a big blowout party. It's, okay, how can we make sure the filmmaker gets a portion of the ticket sales so that they can feed their families, um, which is not as much fun, <laughs> right. but it's also crucial. Um, so I'm hoping that film festivals really take that into account, that it's not just about them. They're not sitting there as a silo, that they're part of this filmmaker ecosystem that they need to make sure we all kind of move forward. Is there, are you, how concerned would you say you are about call, the college scene? in terms of because I, so I was listening to Mark Cuban on a podcast and he said he said outside of the Ivies is real bad for colleges right now because everyone's going I'm taking this class online I don't need y'all yeah 
Well, especially um, we get a lot of out of state at University of Mississippi and I'm seeing, I'm in a parents group because my son goes there right now. And a lot of the parents are like, why am I paying these out of state fees for my son to live at home in Texas when he can just enroll in the local college here? Yeah. Um, so I think people aren't really at the point of like, why bother going to college at all? But they are thinking of how they do it in different ways, which is going to hurt a lot of university towns. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a whole other. Because <laughs> that's, that's maybe one of those things that we're not thinking of yet. Um, where we are right now, we're just thinking like grocery stores and toilet paper. and Let's make sure yeah. the stores are still open. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're an 18 year old kid and you've got, you can take some classes on like Harvard has some of their classes online. You have the, the goodwill hunting approach of, you know, going to the local library and you could do your, you know, you can do your community college and get stuff like that and then transfer in yeah. two years worth of credits. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, I was a college student during 9-11, and I had planned to study abroad for a year, and that that evaporated. Um, so things shift in major crises like this, but I think the intention of getting an education, I don't know if that'll change, because right now, if all of the jobs are Kroger bagging, mm -hmm. um, you don't need a college education for that. So I mean, but a communications degree, that's what you're qualified for anyway, so there's that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, luckily we were literally updating our five-year strategic plan next month. So oh. we have to really reevaluate what that is now, not just updating some words, but yeah. really, really deep diving into what is the point. John Gann, um, who's run a lot of film festivals over the year, really has been calling out all the film festivals in this organizer group and just saying, does your organization need to exist? Does it need to merge with another festival? Does it need to merge with another arts organization? Does it need to reevaluate if it even does anything for the next two years? And just trying to get people to think outside of, okay, well, my festival is supposed to be in three days. What do I do? But what am I doing in 2024 with this? Is part of the idea that like, maybe you're better off just taking a year or two off and not operating at a loss for two or three years and getting everything yeah. rearranged? Is that part of the I think the that could be part of it. I mean, there's, there's, uh, and we're only 18 years old, so we're still one of the new film kids around. Mm -hmm. um, but there's now like 8,000, 10,000 film festivals where there used to be about 2,000 even 10 years ago. So do we all need to exist is <laughs> probably a question we need to ask ourselves. Um, I know in my state there used to be four and now mm -hmm. there's like 14. Um, and I don't know that there's enough filmmakers to survive that right. uh, moving forward. And so maybe are there better statewide coalitions of arts groups you could be building events around instead of trying to survive this on your own. Is there a model where you could say, and this is just an idea that just popped into my head. So you could say, okay, so we're in Mississippi and nobody is going to go to say Wisconsin and Mississippi. There's not a lot of people. And just to say you could partner with a, with a group like Flyway or mm -hmm. Seattle International or whatever and say, look, it's the same, same festival. And you cut down a lot on a lot of your like expenses and 
stuff. And oh, so like we'll a traveling tour? Yeah, like and just make it like a traveling, like a traveling yeah. film festival. Yeah, we do that statewide already. We do a best of film fest uh, package mm -hmm. and take it to several towns in the state. We were talking about sort of trying to figure out some sort of interesting southern circuit um, for filmmakers. So definitely that's something that I hope is part of the approach moving mm -hmm. forward. My I don't have a good answer for it other than, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> my computer just flashed up a thing saying my connection is unstable. So that's exciting. Um, so, all right, so let me ask you, I'll ask you one more question while I still have internet and then hopefully we didn't lose, we won't lose all of this. So I can just pretend. All right. So where do you think film festivals are in five to 10 years? Hmm, man, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that my hope of where they are is that regional film festivals have emerged even stronger. Um, people have seen this as a way to partner with uh, curators that really bring an audience to you rather than you having to go out there and barnstorm by yourself. Um, and that we really act more as agents to support filmmakers than I think we even are now. Uh, my fear is that those who have a lot of money are getting the PPP loans and those mm -hmm. who don't aren't. And so we're going to end up with eight film festivals across the country and they'll be yeah. for a certain level of filmmaker and a lot of people will get left behind. Um, maybe it'll strengthen online in a way like, I mean, we used to make fun of YouTube and now like that's a career starter for people. So sure. there's probably some cool concept out there that some kid is coding right now that I don't know about. So may have lost you. Lucas is very frozen. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, all right. I went frozen. You were frozen for a little bit. So I think okay. it's going to be, so, I think the Sundance flu is going to be a little scary next year. When? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about that this year. It's like, oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't have gone there this year. <laughs> I'm a little terrified. I, I, I know that a lot of the spring 2021 fest are still kind of figuring out what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, I know we are. I mean, we're March 2021 Fest, and right. I'm going to try and talk through options to maybe be at a different time or mm -hmm. think about a different model for next year. So it's tricky. Yeah, because you don't want to be in the second or third wave of this and have to... No, and I don't want to be the fest that yet again, five days before <laughs> postponed. I want to have a plan moving forward. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I hope that... I hope for a lot of things, but uh, I definitely hope that um, film festivals, their big takeaway is how can we help filmmakers? All right, so let's give me your, your pitch to a filmmaker who's not sure about film festivals or not sure that he should submit their, he or she should submit their film festival to you or to a like-minded film festival. Give them the pitch, the like, no, this is totally a good idea. Yeah, um, well, I think there's two different pitches. Obviously, there's the, you know, hit your hope on a big sales uh, festival and get discovered. Uh, and then there's the regional film fest market that really, really likes to prop up those indie filmmakers and help them find an audience and help them network with others to collaborate for future. Um, I 
can tell you that every film I went on the fest circuit with, I ended up meeting new people that I ended up hiring or working for on new films. And so it sort of creates basically this amazing in-person bulletin board of how to help each other continue. Um, and I know I've learned more by watching hundreds of movies for film festivals than I would if I stayed in film school forever and ever. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different reasons besides, you know, I got to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire at a film fest well before it came out. God, the, those are those moments that you're like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I get to experience this. Um, but also just getting to meet other filmmakers and know you're not alone in this. And some days when you're, you know, pulling out your credit card and asking your mom for a loan, it feels like you are. So <laughs> just having that community is so important. Yeah, I got to see Upstream Color at uh, yeah. Sundance and I was just like, well, it was a lot of, I think I was sitting next to Eric Snyder and it was a lot of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Oh, well, I, speaking of Eric Snyder, we saw the Greasy Strangler together at Sundance and by the end of it, it was him, me and like three other people in the audience mm -hmm. that remained. And we left going, this is the best thing in the world. So then I went to Sidewalk Film Festival eight months later and dragged everyone to go see it with me that was there. It's like, I promise you, you have to see this. So those moments are, are special and something I hope definitely continues, me dragging people to weird movies. <laughs> right. And now he just makes up songs in his apartment and goes viral I mean, on the news. that's not new, though. He's just putting it on yeah. the internet more now. So I appreciate it. And he seems to have lost the hat. I don't know what happened to the hat, if it's gone. I don't know. I guess it's his new pandemic look. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, I'll cut this short because who the hell knows what's going on with my internet? Probably the children are watching all of the shows yeah. and on like 16 different devices. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, uh, do you want to give any parting words, a pitch for anything? Nah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So your Twitter handle will be right below you there. Uh, the Oxford yeah. Film Festival. Everybody says nice things about the Oxford Film Aww. Festival. Even the people that didn't get in. I don't know if that's true. That not all of them. Not all of them for some sure. Of them, some of them are pretty angry about it. But what are you going to do? There's idiots walking around protesting you whether know, or not. Sav Rogers, a filmmaker at Art House this year, said this really great thing you know those filmmakers that are passionate and angry with you it's because your festival matters that much to them and take a moment and think about that when you're getting those very angry reactions so, i like that or or their parents have never told them that they're not the most talented person in the world also a combination <laughs> of that <laughs> I, we had a theory in college that the um, the best writers, because I was a writing minor, that the best writers were the writing minors, and mm. the writing majors were always the worst, the worst writers in the writing classes. Because I don't the, disagree. As a writing major, I do not disagree. <laughs> the theory we had was that the writing minors were people who just really liked it, and were yeah. they were like computer science or engineering or whatever, and they just oh, like really. Yeah. They just really liked writing. And then the writing majors were a lot of times people who like, people would just go, oh, isn't that creative? Oh, did, did you read Blake? <laughs> yeah. And so they just, they just never did any, you know, they didn't get any pushback on them. And nobody ever said to the writing, why would you do that? You can't mm -hmm. make a career out of that. Yeah. 
I, uh, I took this great professor at Ole Miss, Barry Hanna, um, who's now passed on, but, but he's an amazing Southern writer. And uh, he said, if I like you, you'll get a B in this class. If you got an A, you followed the rules, but you're never going to be a writer. So all of us waited anxiously for our B <laughs> to know we were accepted. <laughs> I like it. I like it. If you got an A, he's just like, uh, just, just yeah, go. Yeah, just go on. Get out just, of my class. Yeah. Please leave. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you so Thank much. You. And yeah. Hopefully this recorded. We'll see. We'll, we'll do see. it over again. <laughs> It'll be an adventure. Yeah. All right. All Thank right. you so much.